Welcome to the Elevate Your People podcast, a place to be refreshed and energized by work again. I'm your host, Danielle Dietz. Let's talk about how we can create an environment for your people and results to thrive. This episode features Kara Raposo, who's the Regional Vice President of Business Development with Landmark Recovery. At the time of the conversation, she was with Unboxed, a software company that turns employee data into insights to make managers and teams more effective. I really enjoyed this conversation with Kara and think you will too. She's a proactive and intuitive leader who drives results through connection to her employees and to customers. She's a great example of a leader who values and models prioritizing her family life while excelling professionally. In this conversation, Kara shares how healthy leadership helps people be their best selves, the importance of self-care and modeling it as a leader, how building trust and leveraging proactive data can reveal performance strains before they affect the business, and ultimately, how to know your team and yourself well and create the best environment to thrive. Enjoy this conversation with Kara. Okay. Good morning. Thank you so much for joining me this morning, Kara. Welcome to the Elevate Your People podcast, where we are focused on enabling people to thrive life and work. So Kara joins us with a wealth of experience within sales, primarily in the behavioral health space. She currently is the vice president of enterprise sales at Unboxed It. And she's also a founder of Ascend Coaching and Consulting. She's got her bachelor's from USF in psychology and even her MBA in entrepreneurship from FIU. So thank you so much for joining us this morning, Kara. Thank you, Danielle, for having me. I'm excited to be here and just really appreciate you hosting this podcast. It's very near and dear to my heart, the topic that we'll be discussing. So I'm excited to be here. Awesome. So for context listeners, Kara, actually, I'd been connected with on LinkedIn before, and she made a post just talking about being a mom and also being an executive in the workplace. And it just really stood out to me. So I reached out to her. She was open to talk and I'm so excited for where this conversation is going to go because I think she's got a wealth of knowledge and experience and also is a really great example of how we can thrive at work and have a successful career, but also not sacrifice parts of our life. So in thinking about your life care, if you want to describe a little bit more outside of those very impressive titles and backgrounds, let us know a little bit more about who you are. Absolutely. Well, so as you mentioned, Danielle, in terms of being a working mom, this is something that's very near and dear to my heart. I have a four-year-old going on five in October boy named Joseph, and my daughter is going to be two in July. Her name is Kate, and they are the loves of my life. I've been married for, oh goodness, eight years this year and have an incredibly supportive husband and you know, what I feel is so important for women specifically in the workspace is to understand that they can have a career if they want and have a family life too, and leaning into both. And it doesn't mean that it's always going to be peachy or easy, but at the end of the day, if you want to have both, that there is capability of having it and leaning into both equally. And so I'm just really blessed and excited to have had the opportunity to build my career, to have a family. And, you know, I'm very transparent and authentic, so I can definitely share some of the struggles that come along with that, but it's an honor to be able to have both and to show up every day and show my kids that, they can also choose to have both and be anything that they want to be and lean into their purpose. Yes. I love that. It's setting such an example. And once to your point, not to say it's easy, but that it's worthwhile. If that is really 
you know, the path that you want to seek out. So let's take it back to the beginning. So obviously you had that, the bachelor's in psychology, but walk us through how you got started in behavioral health and now kind of the employee health space. Yeah, great question. So I'll try not to be too prolific as a speaker and be concise, but a bit of a backstory. My mom actually, she passed when I was 23 and she was 43 years old. It was unexpected. And she was a caregiver for a family member that struggled with mental health. And so I took on that responsibility of helping navigate the waters of what is the diagnosis? What is the level of treatment? What modality? What type of provider? So all the things I had to learn in the behavioral health space at a young age really set the tone for when I already had that psychology undergraduate degree and passion for it. And then having that personal experience, it was pretty heart-wrenching to see a loved one go through that. And I realized how convoluted the system was and how difficult it was to navigate. And so that led me into a very purpose-driven life in terms of how do I lean into what I care about and helping people have access to treatment. And I ended up meeting a, a, a lady who became a mentor of mine. She hired me to help build out a program and be their salesperson in the Southeast. And through that experience, little did I know and how serendipitous life can be, the hospital I was hired by is one of the most renowned within the nation. And so I built a career in behavioral health there, built out the Southeast, had access to the best clinicians, operators, met you know amazing outreach representatives, became the leader within the space for sales and had an amazing team. And so through that experience, I've really, I've been in it for over 10 years just helped a lot of people with access to treatment. And that's very rewarding when you think about being able to help people find recovery. And in that space, my husband actually was relocated to Atlanta. I was in Tampa for many years. And so when I moved recently, it's been a little under a year now, I really had the opportunity to think about what I care about most. And one of the things I'm very passionate about, of course, is mental health advocacy And in addition is leadership. And so when we moved to Atlanta, I had the opportunity, an organization presented itself that is in the leadership space. And I think of leadership as a a great kind of, you know, stage, if you will, to help people be their best self. And we spend a lot of time at work. So we want to be able to be happy within the workspace. So for me, it was also about how can I help people be their best self and be happy with what they're doing? And so it was very much aligned with the things I care about. And so I transitioned into the employee health space and am able to help people be their best self as as far as being a leader and also just help people be happier in their workspace. So a lot of synergy there, still a mental health advocate and um, loving what I'm doing. That is awesome to hear how really from the beginning, that very personal experience that anchored you in the the purpose and how that's evolved over time. And to your point, I mean, leadership really is a big space where I think it can sometimes get lost in the corporate space, the professional space of when you're a leader, it's not just to ensure business results and, you know, everything thrives. So people can continue to have their jobs provided, but you have a unique opportunity to influence these people's lives because work is such a big part of it. So really cool to hear how your why has stayed kind of to the core, but also evolved over time. Absolutely. So you are an advocate for self-care and even what you're saying about how you want to help your employees thrive. Obviously it sounds like you're able to create some space for thriving yourself too. What do you do to elevate your life, whether personal at work and also kind of how you do that for your team too? 
Great question. I feel like self-care is one of those topics that is so personal because it looks different for everyone. So I like to first say like, I don't have it right every day, but for me, a a personal self-care is for moms specifically, if I can just speak to the audience of moms for a moment, I think we carry a lot of the mental load on our families in terms of if you're a working mom, you're not only thinking about, you know, everything that you need to do for your kids in terms of, do they have clothes that fit? And is, you know, they're, are they tracking at school and just all the things, but planning the family vacations and paying the bills and just it, the list goes on and on. So when you think about self-care, sometimes it's about how do I turn that ticker off in my head and just be present in the moment and take care of myself. And so for me, I personally think my self-care has evolved over the years Maybe a younger version of me would have gone to a an intense boot camp class, and that would have been self-care. And the modern person that I am in terms of where I'm at in my life, I, I feel like reading a good book or taking a hot bath, watching a favorite show kind of helps me to unwind. And sometimes it's just about putting my phone away and being present with my family. And that is self-care. So I think for me, it's just about what's going to help me have inner peace at this moment and what am I needing more of? And that's what I try when I think of my team and, and the individuals that I'm really honored to lead. It's about how do I help them find what is self-care for them and help them to prioritize it within their life. So if, you know, we, when we talk about the workspace, of course, there's that space of like accountability and, and showing up our best selves and, and driving towards success. But there's also that space that you need to be able to have enough trust and relationship within your team to understand what motivates them and what they need as individuals to recharge. And so as you know, in your space as a leader, you have to lead by example and taking care of yourself. And then at the same time, supporting others to recognize when they need to do whatever self-care is for them so that they can recharge and refill their cup because we can't pour from an empty cup. A hundred percent. And I love your point about a responsibility as a leader is modeling that. I know that I've talked with some peers before and when they're struggling with self-care, I try to remind and encourage them because this is a big priority of mine is the leaders that we find ourselves admiring the most are the ones who have that balance who are taking the time or who have passions outside of work and not allowing guilt to come in of feeling like, oh, this is taking away, but realizing, no, that's actually making you a more holistic person. And you're going to show up even better when you make the time for those things or create this space for yourself when it's needed. Absolutely. I love the way you worded that. Having passions outside of work is a a really great place to start in terms of evolving as a leader, because then you you have more than, and it's not that work and family isn't enough, but finding whatever it is that means something to you helps you to stay centered when there's a lot of stress that could come with balancing everything. Yes. And you recently asked your LinkedIn audience about work-life balance versus integration. So I would love to hear you explain a little bit more about that because that's becoming a lot more popular of shifting from the concept of balance in a sense of it has to be a set, divide, a split and kind of shifting into that integration a little bit more. What does that look like for you and your team? Absolutely. You know, and, and it's such a personal choice. And I think that balance and integration do kind of go hand in hand. However, I was really surprised by the survey outcome because so many people are still really leaning towards balance in their life and wanting to have equality with work and home, which I think conceptually makes sense. 
However, I've never really felt like I personally could achieve that in terms of like, I always felt like there were days where I was a better mom or days I was a better employee, but they didn't always happen in the same day. And so the balance of like, am I getting it all in and getting it right? And is it equal? Never quite felt like it was there for me personally. And so the the concept of integration really helps me as a person to feel like I'm getting it all in because I think of the game of Tetris and I think, okay, what are my priorities? How can I time block it? And how can I fit it in in a way that makes sense for me? And so that might mean I'm going to the PCP with my child at 10 a.m., but then later in the evening, I'm catching up on some emails for the next day. And that fits into my lifestyle and makes me feel like I'm thriving and, and achieving in the areas I need to. But that might not work for everyone. So I would say for my team, what I have found is I have individuals on my team that want to split their time differently. And so I support them and how can they have accountability to getting the things done that they need, having that balance they're looking for. And so that will be different by individual, but I personally model the integration and I explain that. I think it's about setting the tone. This happens to work for me. So if you get an email at 10 o'clock, please don't feel like you need to respond to it. It's just like, I'm catching up on my day. Unless it's something urgent, there's, you know, I set a process in terms of, you know, text message, phone calls. I try to respect people's time outside of work and their, their individual life. But I just try to set the tone with I'm integrating my life because that's where I'm at. And people then understand they're not going to be stressed out if they see an email after five. Yes. My husband and I are big on manage expectations, <laughs> whether it's work or personal. It's always important to set those in the beginning so people understand, hey, that may work best for you, but that's not your expectation of them. So love that you've set the tone with your team. Now, when thinking about Unboxed, was that set from upper leadership or how were you able to kind of create this environment for your team members, especially for leaders who may feel personally connected to this, but is there upper leadership or is the environment conducive to that? How do you navigate that? Yeah. So if I'm understanding the question, right, in terms of Unboxed, you know, so it is a SaaS product. So our services at Unboxed, and I'm not here to sell anything, but just to kind of explain what it does is we uh, are a technology that helps leaders better understand their teammates. So that when you can understand what motivates your employees, you can measure up to how am I providing the experience they're looking for? Ultimately, the goal is to help people be more motivated and perform better and, and want to stay within the company. So we do help with employee retention. And so in that space, I would say it starts with setting the tone and expectations, like we were saying. And at Unbox, you know, as a team, we like to have transparent conversations. We set the tone. And in terms of being able to measure success, I find that our services help leaders, regardless of where they're at in their career, be more effective in terms of moving the needle for performance and motivation and engagement because they have some data to make decisions where even as a leader for many years, I had my engagement surveys maybe quarterly. I, I had some tools in my toolbox, but I didn't really have anything to measure quantitative data over time in real time. So it's been really exciting to have that because it helps me know where my team is regularly in terms of how they're feeling, if they're happy or sad or neutral, I can understand where their motivation is and their performance, but I can also lean into what we have as recommendations for how to better lead each team member. I've always had remote teammates, so pre-pandemic and post, so it's been kind of an evolution to see the world kind of join that party of like remote work. And so I do think the platform has been really instrumental in just giving greater insight into how to support my team and helping them show up in a way 
and getting the experience that they're wanting. Because no matter how great of a leader I try to be at the end of the day, I can't know everything. And so it really helps me to better understand and support my team. I think that's awesome of saying, hey, empowering people with data, with leaders, because that's how you're going to better understand your team's wants and needs because every person, every team is very different. And I think that also equips you when it comes to conversations with leadership. Ideally, the tone has been set from up top, but if there's a way that you or your team are evolving and maybe there are unique needs based on a business initiative or specific life phases of certain people, that to have data really helps that. So thinking about metrics, whether it's specifically on Box or what you've seen in your career, what are some metrics that you think are really helpful so in terms of metrics at Unboxed, we use three different metrics to kind of measure success. And so first we, we look at adoption rate, you know, are people actually using the platform? I would say when you think about engagement tools, the average is about like 30% engagement. We have a 93% adoption rate. And the reason why our adoption rate is so high is because we value simplicity and ease. And so our digital check-ins are by phone or by email. And what that does is it really has like a 30-second questionnaire that's personalized to the individual individual. And so again, once people are motivated by different things, their surveys will look different. And so ultimately we do have a very high adoption rate. People are using it. And so that's a good metric to track. So it's not just sitting on the shelf and not being used. And then in terms of leadership effectiveness, it's, you know, are employees more engaged? Meaning are they performing better? Are they more motivated? Are they happier? And so those are three metrics we like to look at as leadership effectiveness. So we do see about a 12 to 17% increase in effectiveness in the first 90 days because they're having the data to be able to measure how individuals are doing and they're getting recommendations on how to lead them. And then in terms of retention, that's kind of a long tail goal. And so I would say in the course of a year, we see about a 20% reduction in individuals leaving an organization. And so that's really empowering to a company. If you're a leader of a company, you're revenue is highly impacted when you think about turnover and the cost is about one and a half to 2% of a person's salary when they choose to leave. So when you're able to reduce that by 20%, it, it does impact revenue. It helps companies to grow and ultimately it impacts culture, which culture can be a little softer and squishy in terms of metrics. But we like to say, you know, like turnover does impact culture. And so when you can retain your top talent, it does help you retain your culture as well. And so ultimately, those are the metrics that we look for in success. And then, of course, for sales, I, I think regardless if you're in behavioral health or in any industry, you're going to have your KPIs and, and things that you measure in terms of are you moving the needle? And then in terms of engagement, I like to measure how my team is feeling. So Inbox has been a really great tool for me. So I can say, you know, hey, we're hitting our KPIs from a performance perspective, but how are we doing in terms of sentiment and team culture and and retaining our team? So it's been a really nice mixture to have KPIs in two different areas that can measure a little bit more soft and squishy culture area in, in terms of helping people be happier in the workforce. Yes. I think that's a great point to note because sometimes culture does seem like it's this intangible, altruistic focus, but usually those indicators are going to show up in your sales. So I like that you're keeping a pulse on whether it's sales, if that's the space that you're in or whatever your, your team's business performance indicators are, but also asking, making sure you're keeping your finger on the pulse. And I love the, the focus of like motivation, engagement, happiness, those elements, because 
if you're not aware of those soft, squishy parts, as people think, well, then the needle's going to start changing on those key metrics. So you want to make sure you're being proactive versus reactive on that. And data just really equips leaders, I think, to know where the opportunity is versus just doing a bunch. I think that's why culture gets a little bit of a bad rap because they seem like these feel-good initiatives. Well, it's like, well, yeah, if you're just kind of throwing spaghetti at a wall, seeing what sticks, then it is going to seem like that. But if you've got data and you can focus in on what that opportunity is, whether it's at a company scale or team specific, that's going to be a lot more intentional for those team members and then likely show up more in those results. Amen. And I love that you're saying that about being proactive because proactive, when you're able to be proactive instead of reactive, you're ahead of the curve in terms of your objectives and what you're trying to accomplish. And so having that real-time data really helps us to be more proactive. So great point. Yes. Well, have you seen in a, in a client or even thinking about previous roles you've been in where there is like a specific initiative or a program or something that was really aimed at getting employees to thrive at work and then result in obviously business performance. Is there one that comes to mind that was really successful or you thought was a great example? You know, that's a great question. And and I think of a couple of things that I've tried, you know, when you think about like throwing spaghetti at the wall and seeing what sticks, right? And so having a national team that was remote before the pandemic, I remember going to so many leadership trainings and being one of the few people that had a remote team, I think that it's really evolved. So I tried a lot of different techniques throughout the years in terms of engagement. Of course, I would try to get people in person a couple of times a year to have that FaceTime as a team. And when we think of the team level, some team initiatives that I've had are, you know, maybe it's, hey, we hit our goal. We're all going to go get pedicures or we're going to have an after hour. So even if that was virtual, we were able to connect and support one another. I always did surveys to see, you know, what the majority wanted to do (laughs) facials, whatever it may be. I had a lot of ladies on our team, but the men loved it too. So in terms of, you know, just trying to, to, again, support them and what they were wanting to do as a celebration together, even if we weren't physically in the same space was really helpful in terms of the team morale and, and driving. Um, I think when you get outside of the workspace and, and come together as a team, you get to know each other more personally and that helps team dynamic. So at a team level, that's what I have found to be effective is, is really helping people to see one another as, as human beings. And I've also had a couple of personality tests, whether it be love language or working genius, a couple of different techniques I've used to help people understand how the others operate so that you could work together as a team. I would say as an individual contributor, what I have found to be successful is when I'm using our unbox tool, I was able to identify an employee that was at risk of burnout because the performance was continuing to improve, but the sentiment was declining. And so through that, being able to work with that individual as a high performer, you don't always want to admit when uh, you're underwater. And so being able to support the individual at saying, how can we delegate? And it's okay to ask for help. Like we all, we all need help sometimes. And so helping the individual see that we can delegate some of those items off their plate and still that doesn't impact them negatively or doesn't make anyone think of them in a negative frame that helped that person to feel like, okay, I can actually like their sentiment started to improve because now like their performance was, was doing really well, but they were not, they were not happy. 
And so I think we've all been in that boat where you're trying to keep everything afloat and you're working extra hours and that's not sustainable. So for that, at the individual level, I think it came down to the initiative of being able to understand where burnout can come in and how to support that individual with being a utilizing their teammates and delegating some of that responsibility. And so we were able to turn that around and help that person feel valued at work. Their sentiment improved, their performance was continuing to improve. So I would say that a team level, there's a lot of things that you can do to um, really improve how your team functions and the culture. And at the individual level, it really does come down to what that individual needs. So again, that that data really supported me in helping an individual not go through burnout because I've been through burnout. It's not fun. (laughs) So, you know, how do we support each other and having balance? Definitely. I love how you emphasize the team part of celebrate, but that is such a healthy way to keep the team connected, keep them motivated. Sure. There can be, you know, financial incentives, whether it's sales or other teams that the team can hit. However, just spending time with each other and to your point, if it's virtual, there's fun ways that you can coordinate kind of a a team celebration in person. Awesome too, but that that's a really fun way to help your employees just enjoy work. You know, we all, we spend majority of our waking hours there and why not enjoy it? You know, even when it's tough, let's celebrate the wins, celebrate the learnings. And then the individual points really important too. Cause I think sometimes as managers and especially as companies are making a shift now to become more and more lean, more productive, that they may have more direct reports or be balancing more on their plates of don't forget the value of paying attention to your team members individually, because there might be red flags. Obviously a tech like unboxed is amazing because that makes it easier for you to see that, but encouraging leaders, if you don't have a system in place, and if that's not a part of your company's budgets, Hey, what are some things that you can have in the short term or just the foreseeable future to be keeping an eye on, on your people? Cause to your point, once you were able to hone in and work with this person, you were able to really help get them in a healthy space, which is just that much better for the team holistically in your business unit. Absolutely. It comes down to trust. And, and if you don't have a technology and you, I would say encouraging your teammates to feel comfortable with being transparent about their needs, because as a leader, you, you're not going to be a psychic in terms of what everybody needs. But if somebody can say, Hey, I don't have a tool in my toolbox right now that will help me be successful. If they can raise their hand, then it is the leader's opportunity to help them be successful. And so if you don't know, you can't help. So I would say encouraging individuals to raise their hand and say, if they need help, that will allow them to be more successful. And that just comes down to a culture of transparency transparency and trust. Completely. And then it's just saving everyone time too, to get right to the point if they feel comfortable to come to you for that. And then you know how to help and you get to feel purpose towards that. Absolutely. Well, if the listener was your mentee that you were supporting, what's a piece of advice that you would give them on really making a difference? And even if they're not currently a leader, say they're an individual contributor, what's a piece of advice that you think would be really applicable to anyone? Yeah. So I I think in terms of three different points, I would say first and foremost, if they're not a leader, I mean, you can, you can not have a title and still be a leader. You can still have influence. So, you know, you can choose to be a leader every day. And so for me, I think of advice my mom gave me as a, as a young lady. And she said, you're the sum of the five people that you hang out with the most. And so 
I would say surround yourself with individuals who value who you are, because if they really value you as an individual, they're going to want you to be your best self. So surround yourself with people that challenge you to be your best self and actually care about you as an individual. I would say also in terms of a female in the workspace, I want to say not everyone's going to like you and that has to be okay. And that was something that took me a long time because I'm a recovering people pleaser. And so I think for me, it came down to being my authentic self, holding my teams accountable and caring about them as people and knowing that at the end of the day, if I'm doing what's right, I'm holding myself accountable and having integrity not everyone's going to like me and that's going to have to be okay with me. So I think if they're aspiring to be a leader, they're stepping into the mindset that it's not about being liked is a big one, especially I find for females in the workspace. And then also, you know, just truly caring about your team. Like when you really care about each human being as a human being, it helps you to be a more effective leader. When we think about the people we value as leaders, it typically is going to be that person that took the time that got to know you and encouraged you. And so that stands out in terms of really caring about your people. And I, and I would say one other advice would just be know your pillars, know what matters to you, because for me, it's faith and family and purpose. And so every decision I make is, is this aligned with my faith? Is this aligned with my family in terms of what's best for them? And is it aligned with my purpose of mental health advocacy and leadership? And if the answers are yes, then that helps me move my perspective in terms of where I should move my career or or any decision that I make. So know your pillars and that will really help you make quality decisions to drive your life forward. I love that. When you think about who you are as a person, that's so much more than just you in your role. I saw a quote recently that was, if you don't know who you are and tell the world who you are, the world's going to tell you. And so I think reflecting on those values and ensuring you're staying true to that because those values should spread across your personal life, your passions and your, your work. And that's going to help you thrive more holistically because you're going to hold yourself accountable to that. So I, I love that piece. And I love that quote. You know, I was thinking of one of the leaders that I like to follow certain thought leaders. And one lady that I really value in the workspace is Cheryl Sandberg. And she had written the book Lean In. And, you know, I'm not advocating anyone go out and buy the book, but it really helped me to kind of overcome fear as a female leader in terms of being able to have, you know, kind of it all. Being able to, I think so many women say, well, if I want a family, I have to take a step out of my career. Or, and so for me, I think my encouragement is once you know, your pillars is don't let fear stop you. Sometimes things can feel bigger than who we are. And so it's about leaning in and saying, instead of saying, I don't have what it takes right now, I'll wait, step in and say, I will learn as I go. So take that first step of of courage and lean into your purpose because at the end of the day, like your purpose is what's going to fill your cup and it can be your children and your career at the same time. So I just want to encourage women to take that leap of faith and find mentors to support them along the way. Yes, that is awesome. And I think so important to emphasize too, that fear is something that's going to come up and don't let that freeze you or hold you back from doing something that it is possible to be a mom, be a wife and be a successful individual in the workplace. And the workplace needs more of that too. So don't, don't let fear keep you in your silo because then it's less examples for future women or even women already in the workforce to realize, oh, I can do that. That is possible. 
Absolutely. I mean, I know there's things like work. I think like the motherhood penalties out there, there are things to look up and be aware of. But at the end of the day, I think the more women that stand up and say, I'm a mom and I'm an executive, I'm a mom and I'm a business owner. It's just, it's so empowering because you're not alone and it will feel like you're alone at times, but you are not alone. And there's so many women out there that are in the same boat. And I think if we can unite and support one another, it's, it's so valuable. And, and again, it comes down to leading by example and saying, you know, this is a part of who I am. So I don't veer away from talking about my kids, maybe like I used to, I mean, I use it in appropriate spaces, but I'm, I'm a mom and it's a big part of who I am. And so I want people to know that you can have both and, and be able to lean into both. And sometimes it might not have equality in terms of how balance may feel, but that's okay because, you know, you're able to bring your light and your purpose and all the things that make you wonderfully you to both spaces. So I really appreciate you having me on the show and I'm hoping that this can help people elevate their teams and help them to lean into being a better leader or, you know, and again, you don't have to have a leadership title to be a leader. So hopefully this is helpful for everyone in the audience. Yes. I love that charge. Everyone can be accountable for making their workplace a better space by the things we discussed today. And then I love even some of the follow-ups you said where people can dive into more resources, but really just be empowered to say, hey, you get to be the author and navigator of your life. Make that a space that you want to enjoy. And, and it's really making it better for your peers and those around you too. Be that light. Absolutely. Awesome. Thank you so much, Kara, for your time. It was such a treat to get to talk with you. For follow-up for listeners, if they want to engage with you, I know you're really active on LinkedIn. You're constantly posting a lot of stuff that's really helpful to stay in tune to ways that that leaders or individuals can continue to thrive and empower their peers. So any other ways that people can connect with you or follow up? Yeah. So I would say our LinkedIn is a great way to connect with me. I do have my own coaching and consulting business on the side. So I do fractional sales leadership as well as coaching individuals that are trying to grow their career and maybe need some support in terms of how to navigate the waters. So I am happy to support them at that level. Or if they just want to reach out and say, hi, if they have any questions, I'm just happy to connect. So feel free to reach out to me on LinkedIn and look forward to, you know, continuing the conversation and just watching Elevate Your People and seeing it grow. I think you're really onto something amazing and appreciate all that you're doing, Danielle. So again, thank you for having me and I look forward to continuing to partner. Well, thank you so much. That means a lot. Absolutely. All right. Take care. Take care. Thank you for spending your time with me and desiring to elevate your people. I hope this conversation energized you to take ownership in your work experience. Let's raise the expectation and create conditions for our people to thrive Because when we enjoy our work, the business results and our lives show it. If you have any guests you'd love to hear from or dive into a certain topic, please message me on LinkedIn. Another great way to influence the world of work is to share this podcast with others. Until next time, continue to elevate your life and elevate your people.